All right, push your record button, Jack. Yeah, that's fine. Just push your button. <laughs> I'm pushing your buttons. <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the mostly funny podcast that talks shit on all the horror movies that you know and love. Today, we are talking about a classic and one of my all-time favorite films, George Romero's 1968 film, Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Today, we are joined by our beloved guest from our Evil Dead episode, and probably the best sport to ever exist best ever. Best sport. Jack! Uh, I mean, I think you guys are a good sport in this one, starting like 30 minutes late. No, we were talking okay. a lot of shit about you while you were gone, though. Yeah. <laughs> you were muted. I couldn't hear anything. Damn it. I figured that was what it was. I knew that's what it was. My dude, it was so easy. No one else was here for this recording. All you had to do was be like, I'm the best guest of all time. Damn it. All right, start over. Start over. We're starting over. Oh, yeah. Our beloved guest, Jack. Hey, I'm just so happy to be here. I'm just like the best one. Always punctual, trying to bring snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I love snacks. You're my favorite. Yeah, when I was like, hey, Jack, do you want to be on this episode? He was like, fuck yeah, I love that movie. Who's bringing snacks this time? I was like, it's still a video call, so whoever wants to, <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, what to if, bring snacks. Can... Like, Megan, what if we like sit next to each other with our computers and our headphones and we share snacks? Like, we share a bowl of snacks. <laughs> I'll bring them. We could share snacks. Anyway, icebreaker time. Everybody's favorite time. <laughs> we are going to... Build your zombie apocalypse team. You get to pick one person that you know, but it can't be on this podcast. And then one historical and or like famous person, basically a celebrity of sorts that you don't know. Who wants to go first? Well, the guest has to go first. Oh, sweet. I'm good with this. Uh, so no, uh, like I said earlier, I will pick my roommate yep. who I've known since he was like 13. I was, you know, 14. And thank you for clarifying. We lost we lost power for like four days in Atlanta, and it, it was great. Like we we had everything sorted out. He also has a bunch of guns. I am very terrified of guns, but if the world comes to an end, I can understand. He knows that. what to do with them. Right, very safe. Has a gun safe, and like we're both Eagle Scouts, both like survivalists. I, well, by both I mean like he <laughs> is way more Scouts. than I am. No, it's great. I absolutely I have no fear that he will kill somebody. You know, or me, if I become a zombie. Like, there's no... Mary Kay promised to kill my husband for me if he became a zombie. That's the least That's I could do. You know he helped me move. Friend. Yeah, that's the least I could do is mercy mm-hmm. kill him. Uh, so, definitely my roommate. His name is Studs, because he wore a studded jacket in high school. I love oh, it. But we no. all did, so I don't, I don't know. It was weird. Oh, fair. That's um, fair. And then uh, my historical figure, I would pick uh, Roosevelt. Teddy, dude, I'm picking Teddy. I mean, he's just a all around badass. I bet he's a big old bear, and I bet he was kind of gay too. I bet he was at least bi. I bet he was kind of gay, dude. He looks kind of gay. He's always smiling in those pictures. He's very photogenic. <laughs> he was very um, well. He's always riding with the with the rough riders. Come on, dude. This, right, the center part, right. too. The center part. You know what I mean? So I got a love right. interest in my post-apocalyptic <laughs> world. You know what I mean? I mean, you have needs even if the world's ending. Oh, oh. Wait, I, thought, I heard, I heard I, you have me even if the world's ending, not needs. I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> I was wondering why you were so, like, romantic about that. I, I, thought, like, I, thought, I thought we were okay. going to be together. <laughs> All right, Mary, since he stole yours, and I can help you troubleshoot it, but who do you have as your backup? And who's your person that you know? Well, we all know that as close as we're getting to Teddy fucking Roosevelt anytime soon is going to be Nick Offerman. Huh, nice. Mm-hmm. 
And then I get to spend the apocalypse with Nick Offerman, which is fucking great. That's not who I thought you were going to choose, and I'm really disappointed. <gasps> who did you think I was going to pick? Who is our reoccurring scene? Yeah, all that's of our what mine was going to be. Somehow managed to bring up in like every single episode. I am mortified right now. I really thought you were going to choose The Rock. I've never been more embarrassed in my life. That <laughs> I didn't pick the strongest man, the handsomest man, the man who obviously would fall in love with me in an apocalyptic situation in spite of my... You could repopulate. Lack of hygiene. Oh my God. Can you imagine? So when everyone talks about how like mixed, <laughs> mixed kids are the future. Yo, that, <laughs> that's where you start. This is me and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's perfect. That's like, it doesn't get much more mixed than that. Somebody tweet this man. I can't, I can't believe I didn't pick that. No, I mean, Nick Offerman is, is still a strong choice and I stand by it because he can literally make a canoe. But um, yeah. <clears throat> Rock could the rock could be your canoe. <laughs> Holy you could ride that boat all night long. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean he was in Moana. He knows the water. Yeah. Bitch, I don't even need a paddle. Nope. You can use his dong. Oh my god. I'm assuming no, that's the rudder. He's gotta go face down. <laughs> Sorry. Stop it. Sorry. All right, but who's who's the person that you know? <laughs> it's actually my childhood best friend because he's in the Air Force. Oh, there you go. The Air Don't Force is like the do. weakest. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. My brother's in the Air Force, and he's like a complete pansy. Okay, well, my entire family was Air Force. So you better not talk shit, Jack. He's an accountant for the Air Force. He's a pansy. Okay, well. Okay, but he's an accountant. You really should. You buried the lead. You buried the lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Air Force that makes him lame. It's the accounting that makes him lame. Oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah, no, no, he's in the Air Force. So he's got like. He's in good shape, and he's got, like, knows how to fire a gun, and he knows how to fly a plane. And I'm sorry, but that's just a skill set you want handy. When yep. there's a billion planes and no one alive to fly them. Wait, wait, wait. Yep. Where, where in the world are you that there's a billion planes with the keys in them? Do planes have keys? Texas. <laughs> I'm in Texas. I'm going to be fast. I'm going to wrap this up so we can actually get into talking about the movie. I feel compelled to pick my husband as the person that I know, but also he's a sweet goofball, but he's also pretty tough and he would do anything to keep me safe. So I guess he's a good choice. I, however, like Mary Kay, if I had a backup, would pick my dad because he's also a pretty tough dude and he used to be in the Air Force and he's pretty tough that way. My celebrity that I would pick is I was torn between two people. I was torn between Harrison Ford and Woody Harrelson because both of them know how to fly airplanes. Mm -hmm. And if I have Andrew with me, Andrew works at the airport and has a badge that can get him in any of the Delta doors. So like we would be set, but they're also like, I mean, Harrelson Ford was Han Solo and Indiana Jones. He likely picked up some good fighting skills and useful skills with those. But Woody Harrelson is also a raw vegan and I feel like at the very least, he could make me delicious food out of the wilderness. He's also tough. Close Whichever one, I'm not picky. If I had to pick one, like, with, if I had a gun to my head, I was like, pick one. I'd pick, pick Harrison Ford. But that's mostly just because I want to live out my Star Wars fantasies. Speaking about cool sci-fi films, what about all the cool shit from the 1960s? I'm not good like Mary Kay with segues. Oh, my God. Um, how's this for a segue? Let's hear it. Let's talk about the movie. Yes, that's a great segue. Let's finally do that. The zombie apocalypse we were talking about. Oh, okay. So my fear, yeah. just right off the real quick, though, was just that, because I love this movie so much, and 
Megan loves this movie so much, I was just like, oh, Mary Kay is going to hate this. Also, No, I'm not going to shit on it. No. It's good. I like it. Yeah, Mary Kay likes this one. Also, Mary Kay, in my head, your name's MK Ultra, by the way. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, as, as long, if you're going to call me MK, it has to be MK Ultra, but you can do that. I'm totally okay with it. Oh, so I just fine. assumed off the bat that you hated it, but you don't, so that's great. But like, but like that idea, the mind control experiments of the '60s is part of what's going on when you're talking about the social landscape of the oh 1960s. God, you're so right. Look at that segue. Yes, be impressed, be dazzled. This is, you know, why I, you know why I have this skill though, for real, is because I have an agenda, right? Every cl- every time I teach a class, and there's always at least one student in each section whose mission it is to derail me. <laughs> And I picked the, I mean, can, I could tell them from day one and it's like planned ignoring. And then I'm going to call on you. And then the whole time you're talking, I'm going to think about how we're going to get this tangent back online. So in case you're wondering why I have that skill. It's practice. I mean, it's a beautifully honed art that you have. Like I'm going to mention it at your funeral one day and it's probably going to be <laughs> on your headstone. Like, Mary Kay, she was beautiful. had an ass like the Gravichon and that girl could make a segue like no other. Oh my gosh. That is not a bad <laughs> epitaph. Not bad at all. I like it. Mm-mm. Wow. <laughs> Start writing her obit now. Right okay. before you forget this shit. I'm on it. Well, it's what you have to do for accomplished people. You just have to have it sitting there. So yeah, you have the, to wait. So when the fucking apocalypse happens, it's ready to go on the air on some fucking ham radio that no one's listening to. You have to. no idea how badly I needed to hear these compliments today. Thank you so <laughs> much. Yeah, this is making my whole week much better. Thank yeah. you. We're no longer going to talk about Night of the Living Dead. We're going to spend the next hour just complimenting Mary Kay. Everybody hang tight. Wait, let me get a pen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So speaking of Mary of MK Ultra dying, yeah. the zombie apocalypse was a bunch of dead people, Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> wow. you, you know what? I see there's promise in you. Yeah, he's working on it. So how about Night of the Living Dead as a reflection of 1960s America? Topic number one. My favorite thing about this outline is Mary Kay, not Mary Kay, is Mary's answer to me writing that on our outline. Oh, 60s my ass. I read it. From the cell block tango. That's what I read it as. <laughs> Single, he told me. Single, my, my ass. ass. <laughs> da, da, da. Oh, sorry, that's probably licensed. Let's not sing it. Because um, <laughs> we make so much money off of this. <laughs> yeah, well, just, you know, I'm not the first person to look at the 60s and look at our current moment in history and think, huh, there are similarities. Yeah. Which makes, which is interesting to me. And we're, we're going to keep, I think, kind of bumping back to this, that there was a, a huge resurgence of zombie interest maybe, what, yeah. 10 oh, years shit. ago now? Yeah. 10 years Damn. ago now. But it was, it was a while ago now. And there, was a, there were questions at the time, there were think pieces at the time about, well, why is this happening right now? Why are we so interested in this idea? And, uh, and I, I'm curious about that, that, that we can look at the 60s right now, 2018, and say, dang, don't feel like much has changed or even what has just keeps bringing us back to this weak ass shit uh, so, oh. but our resurgence happened 10 years ago so yeah mm-hmm. so a did anyone else kind of fucking hate how obsessed everyone was with zombies like i love zombie movies i do love zombies but i like i hate like my zombies eight year stick figure family you know what i mean does everyone else hate that shit <laughs> 
Yes. As as You're when just it mad because the stuff that you like became mainstream. Yes. That's what he, yes, that is it's, completely. It's, it's not anti-authority it, soul. But it's not it that is. it's mainstream, right, Jack? It's like it became kitsch. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, it did. Yeah. yeah. That's the difference, right? Like, if everybody likes it, that just means we all have good taste, right? Correct. When it becomes, it becomes like, annoying yeah. when it's the main theme that you see when you walk into a hot topic. Right. right? Or I mean, or just like you see, like um, I don't know, just like on car details or like you know those all oh, those damn jeeps with like zombie response zombie apocalypse unit oh i hate them so much but (laughs) no to uh mary's excellent point though i mean here we saw you know in the 50s war ended we kind of saw like entertainment kind of go up and then the 60s it was again and like the zombification of people becoming like you know entrenched in media right like you just stare at your screen all day we see it we see it again here and, you know, and then the, there's several parallels. Like, I thought that was an excellent point. And just, like, of, like, back then they had the fear History of... History repeats itself. Right. The fear of uh, nuclear, you know, you had the run, the kids practicing nuclear fallout, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Help, some goddamn help me. Um, fallout drills. Fallout drills, yeah. right? And now we have the same fear of, you know, nuclear war from North Korea and Russia. You know, the same exact thing is going on where it was nuclear your uh fallout again yeah that's what i was uh that's what i mean basically it's not exactly what i was gonna say but similarly um we were coming out of the cold war then yeah like going into it where we're like it's a re it's like a second cold war what's happening right now and um in this movie also the corpses are reanimated with radiation yep or a trope too well, yeah, so that, that's kind of my question. Is So it makes sense you bring up, uh, Jack, the screens thing. Ten years ago was when iPhones first became a thing that people actually had. Yeah. Right? That's right, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys remember or if any of you did watch that actual keynote where Jobs did the whole, a phone. I did. A browser, yeah. uh, right? Yep. In and the palm of your was, hand. It was, it really was shocking. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was so elegant compared to, I mean, I had a BlackBerry for work like around that time maybe a year or two later and it was it was just clunky and and frustrating and yeah i could get on the internet technically but it was terrible and seeing that keynote was like no oh my gosh it's it's this is the most beautiful thing and it's so yeah when i think back on that and that was what 2008 2000 no no 2006 7 Mm -hmm. yeah i mean roughly 10 years ago like yeah. Time, so, time is an illusory anyway. Fuck it. So it makes it makes sense that at the moment that it suddenly became possible for us to be that deeply entrenched all of the time, we would get back to this idea of, of zombification. It's just odd that it feels so so much of everything else feels timely right now. Mm-hmm. When we're ten years out of it, you can't get back to it that quickly. It's not like if somebody put out a new zombie thing today, everyone would be like, yay! They'd be like, The Walking Dead is still on TV! <laughs> yeah well there's you know so there was a lot of things going on in the 60s that we see reflected in this film you know we've talked on touched on a lot of them kind of mostly the lack of like optimism that was portrayed but also like race is a huge one in this and Romero was one of the first people to give us a black hero uh-huh. especially uh in a fully white cast but there's really no effort to point out his race. He's never mentioned that he is, that he's black or of anything else. It's just kind of glossed over. 
Um, and I was waiting for that in the movie. Like, I, you know, I watched this a long time ago. I, I was texting you last night when I was rewatching to be fresh for the episode. I watched it like a week ago. And I was waiting for Harry, the ugly white guy, to just say something, like call him boy or call him, you know, just something. Yeah, some, some kind of microaggression. Not, yeah, yeah, not brought up. And that was great. And then I'm just thinking back, like, so this is like the first zombie film. So much so that they, it's not even a zombie. They're called ghouls, right? Like, you mm-hmm, even look at that. Yes. And I'm just thinking about, so you have this woman, uh, whose name I forget, uh, who literally is just, her Her and her brother are going to the cemetery. Barbara, and, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, who had a very active role in the movie. <laughs> and then she watches her brother die or something. Johnny sucked. He didn't even throw a punch, all right? Self-defense 101. You go, uh, te- for a man, you know, if you're fighting a man, testicles, throat, eyeballs. Johnny didn't go for any of that stuff. He was just I know that from Miss Congeniality. I was about to say the same go. thing. You've got to sing. There you go. Yeah. Um, I just know that from my life. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but I'm sure Miss Congeniality has been seeing one. Anyway, but no. So and then like at she's going through all this stuff. She's running away. She goes into this house and then like she goes outside for whatever reason because she hears this car crash and this black man comes sprinting at her. Right. And she wasn't afraid of him. And I just think she was in shock still. Yeah, and just, like, she's in shock for in most ho- of the movie, and, I think. And cool. pushes yes. her in the house, and like I'm just like thinking, you know, as we are right now, and as we openly talk about race and everything right now, we're much more open about it to have these conversations. I'm just like, could you imagine, uh, for any of us who are white and a woman in this podcast, just you, to see a black man with a crowbar? That's only you, Jack. Is that just me? <laughs> well, a black man running up <laughs> me with a crowbar, I or a tire iron, <laughs> I'm just gonna like step back and just like. Oh my god! Like I'm, I'm gonna go in the house and close the door. Like I don't, I don't know. I was gonna say if a man who looked like Ben and acted like Ben and talked like Ben and dressed uh-huh. like Ben pulled up to my porch and I ran outside and it was just headlights and then Ben, I would be like, clearly, sir, you have been sent by the hand of God. Please, <laughs> please come in and let please me fix you a cup in. of coffee. Would you like dinner? Would you like a three course meal? I only have two courses, but I can provide the third. You know, no, this was a really conscious, conscious effort on the part of Romero and the team. Uh, they have always maintained there was no larger message. Jones was just the right man for the role. They liked his read, so they cast him. That mm-hmm. was it. And in fact, he actually came to Romero and the writing team and said, Look, I, I'm concerned that if Ben is perceived to be too aggressive. Audiences won't identify. It's going to be received poorly. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need to scale some of this back. And Romero said point blank that at the time they thought, no, 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 like we're going to be the ones to do the thing the way it should be done, and like fuck everyone's expectation. Like they felt hip doing it the way they did, and has since looked back and thought, oh my god, he was right. He was definitely right. What, that he was too aggressive? Or, yes, that, that, that having, that they should have been... That 1968 wasn't ready for it. They they should have been mindful of how, more mindful or more conscientious about how they executed that aggression. So that, uh... Oh, you mean the trope of the aggressive black man, right? Like how that's a super macho... Well, and that's, and that, and that he, um, that, firstly, that's not Dwayne Jones in general. That's not his... That was never, like, they changed the role completely for him. It was originally written to be a 
without race specifically in mind, but written to be like a roughshod trucker. And then Jones auditioned and they loved it so much that they rewrote the fucking thing for him. So um, then they have this like incredibly like academic and erudite person inhabiting this role that they'd envisioned really differently and some of the stuff that carried over he was like look you you just gotta know if i hit someone it's different than if anyone else does and they didn't listen to him and romero has since said that that is a regret that he carries that he can't ever speak to jones about anymore because he passed that he wishes he could talk to him about it now that he wishes he'd listened at the time that they'd been more conscientious about how they did that and I mean, I feel like, I feel like this is the first time you see like a fully developed, definitely in any horror movie, uh, black character, right? Because yes, he was quote right. a hero, but also he was an anti-hero. He shot the guy when he was on the ground. Like he, I was just like, yeah. Yeah, but that guy was a son of a bitch, though. Oh no, 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 he yeah, should have. Yeah. It was great. But you know, the the true white knight, you know, part in the racial part, but like sure, wouldn't but have yeah. done that, right? And I mean, the the only real notoriety, you know, it was all the racial undertones. It only came apart really when like. The black guy came to the window, and the the white mob shot him in the head, right? That was the only part, and maybe like that wasn't supposed to be meant, but like I'm from Georgia, and like a group of white dudes with guns, like, and you're a black guy with a gun, like this isn't gonna work well. It's gonna be a bad time. This is CNN. I see all of the points that you guys are making, and I also think that I like it the way that it is because, and and I'm gonna get some shit for this, and I'm fine with it. Because I've made my decision. I'm going to try to stick by it. Okay. (laughs) I like that race is not brought out very much in this at all. Oh, no. I agree. Because I feel like if that had happened, I would have been like, great, this is some more. Awesome. And it would have, first of all, dated the film horribly. And also, um, that's kind of the goal, right? Where people are just like, oh, you're another human. Like, Yes. That's our end game. That's what we want. So I liked that. And I also liked that... uh, it kind of takes the apocalypse for that to kind of happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, because it is, like, in, in in the 60s, if Barbara wasn't in shock, she probably would have had the reaction, you know, that all of us thought she would have had. But because she was... Well, and that's that's a really fascinating thing to me, that, like, it takes the apocalypse for this to happen. Because Agreed. my big question was, not why, not so much that, like, it's... <laughs> The benevolent colorblindness of progressive people is not a shocking thing to me. It's certainly something that any person of color has encountered many, many times. I don't see color. I just see a person. Well, if you don't see my color, then you're not seeing my entire person. So fuck you, buddy. Um, But also, it takes the apocalypse for this to happen. Something that I think that more recent zombie culture has explored interestingly is the fact that even when our lives are on the line, we don't necessarily give that kind of thing up. That we that we cling to this fatal degree of of. So I agree with you cruelty. entirely, right? And like, yeah, and like, neither I don't feel like either of what we were saying was like a critique of it. And Mary Kay, I mean, that was an excellent point, and like, she's a hundred percent right. Uh-huh. That takes the apocalypse to bring it on. That was the best, uh, yeah. Um, no, I just felt like there was a racial undertone to everything. Uh, oh, right, like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe but that, maybe that was my projection, right? That was an audience projection that I was doing. Um, obviously, I mean, that's literally the point I just said. About no, this is like in shot. the middle of the civil rights movement, so of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, it's there, but it's not overtly 
and in your face saying it's not written into the script. Mm-hmm. I'm just really happy it. that Mary Kay likes the same, or MK Ultra likes the same movie that I do. <laughs> like, I, I didn't think MK Ultra would like the same. We'd ever yeah, do movie Mary, Mary Kay has awesome. great taste. She just doesn't like that one movie. I didn't. Yeah. I should have managed my expectations a little better for that. Yeah, it's it's not that surprising. I, I didn't expect her to love it. I just, you know. Also, I, again, as I said at the time, forgot how different it was to watch them totally in order. The second one is, yeah. you kind of you want to go yeah. in order on that one. Well, it's the same kind of with Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead is a fantastic movie, but Return of the Living Dead's way better. But, like, we've got to start at square one. We've, we're mm-hmm. gonna, like, we we got to do it. Fair, fair, yeah. Yeah. Real quick, though, the what we're referring to, the movie I'm referring to, is the... Uh, the movie uh, Evil Dead. Everyone go back and listen to it, please, yeah. and rate it on iTunes. I shat on it the Ooh, whole time, look y'all. At that. I was not no. having, I was not taking any shit off of Jack. But that's why I said that Jack was the best sport ever because, oh like, my gosh, he such was, a good sport. He was such a good sport. And you're back. I was trying so I'm hard so not to cry. No. <laughs> Y'all said that part where Jack was like, I don't know about a Segway, and then he was like, also. Plug, plug, plug. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. You can do this. You can do this. Right. You didn't even see me, but I just did, like, toddlers and tiaras, like, posing while I said all of the, like, marketing, marketing plug, plug I thing. It was it. really fantastic. Are we all drinking wine right now, though? Yeah. Because, I'm three glasses in. Again, like the last episode, Mary was holding a bottle of wine like a baby, and I'm doing <laughs> that right now, too. <laughs> I just want to be like you guys. And I have a whole oh, bottle of red you wine. You are one of us. Just, like, one of us. On, like, a, one um, of us. Yes. One Join of our us. coven. <laughs> oh, my God. Moon rituals. So, speaking of drunk white men, what about white men as prideful, selfish, useless, inflections of authority? <laughs> I so hate your that segue. guy. Your segue technique is just repeat the thing we said and then say the next thing. I never <laughs> said it was really. good. She I was just good. That, was no, that was a great. That was a great segue. That was awesome. <laughs> First of all, that that one was incredible, and Mary's a hater, and she can shut up. Number two, Mary Kay, a.k.a. MK Ultra. Tell me why you hate that man. Um, Because I also hate him, but I just want to hear somebody Because, okay, I have many reasons. I have many reasons for hating Mr. Cooper. Okay. He comes upstairs, and he's like, this is my house. And then Ben is like, is this your house? That's a direct... (laughs) I screenshot it because I was like, this is my man. This is my man, y'all. He turns around, he goes, is this your house? And he's like, no, but I was here first. And he was like, okay, go get in the basement then, motherfucker. Anyway, that's the one reason is that he tries to rule the roost. And damn it, Mr. Cooper, it is not your roost. Number two. Nope. Mrs. Cooper is like five bazillion levels hotter than him. She is so hot. Fuck yeah. She's taking no shit off of him. And every... The subtext of everything she says, like, for example, when he goes back into the basement and he was like, well, on the radio, they don't know what's happening. And she goes, they have a radio and you locked us down here. You sick fuck. <laughs> pretty no, much. That's pretty much what she says. Well, hold on. So looking at the cast, let's look at the cast real quick. And like, honestly, when I was pointing out the white man, I was pointing out pretty much every single white man because Johnny dies immediately. Like he can't even defend his sister in a fight. No, but, he sucks. Um, sucks. But outside of the zombies, outside of the militia, it's a really attractive cast, right? Like, his mm-hmm. wife's way hotter. Uh, the other white guy, who I can't remember, but he's he's cute. His girlfriend's cute. Uh, yeah, but know, she uh, has dead written on her forehead. Like, you know she's going to die first. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, they're the teenagers, right? The teenagers are really the ones who die. 
But like, did they? Did does anyone know if Romero and like the casting, like intentionally, not the casting so much, but like the makeup department intentionally tried to make him ugly? Because I mean, he's balding. He's like unattractive. He's got like a fucking spot Ooh. on his head. What size pants do you think he wears in the chest? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what I'm saying, right? Like he dresses. He does dress like you know the '50s. I guess kind of like late '50s, like ugly asshole dude. You know, which oh my is another god, point. I didn't to know 60s. that was type. I love it. <laughs> oh, is that, is that what you married? Oh my god! But does anyone? Yeah, I don't know. Do you guys know if like they intentionally made him ugly because he was, you know, literally the ugliest? I think character? that's just his face, dude. Well, he was despicable. <laughs> like he was typecast because ugly is on the inside and the outside with him. Sucks right, but like the look. makeup department can go further and make you more unattractive. Make him uglier. No, right, I think like, that was just his face, Jack. <laughs> just him. And it was just us hating they him. They gave him that, yep, like, hickey on his forehead. Us hating this man for stuff that he can't control. He doesn't look especially different from that, just generally. That that's just kind of what he looks like. Also, yeah. wait, I have to make I have to make a point right quick. So please do. So Mr. Cooper has like a hickey on his forehead, right? Yeah. Right. This, yeah. Gorbatrov. Something has happened. It's this third week of class. I have had. Three students, three men, male students come to class with like blatant hickeys all over them. And I just want to be like, have some shame, motherfuckers. Like, what grade do you teach? I teach college. College. So, first of all, I thought you were going to say three times this semester, I've gone to class with hickeys. No. <laughs> Second Post. of all, <laughs> Mary Kay is classy. She wears red lipstick and I'm I don't just... need you marking your territory. We know what's up. Like, I just. <laughs> I was pro- I was obviously projecting, um, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. I always I thought you t- maybe taught high school, and I was just like, you know, like that's the time to get hickeys, and it's in high school. But this college, oh come on, dude! Like, yeah, and they're like, no cover mark, that no shirt with concealer that's the wrong color, and put a hoodie on. God, how many times have you been slanging and banging and been like? Yo, watch the neck because I gotta go to work. <laughs> yeah, many, many times. Same. Or I have makeup that matches my skin. So here's what you do, right? First of all, you have you need to if you are any person who makes out with any other person, you need to have a concealer that matches your skin. You do. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to know. It's 2018. You need color corrector. Also, yes. Or just be like, hey, bitch, before you go, touch this up. Or just be like, hey, maybe don't give me a hickey on my neck. Go somewhere naughtier that's not visible to the public. It's fun. Like, you can't go wrong. It's fun for everybody, and it's hidden. Can both of you guys per- speak slower exactly. so I can take these notes? Like, I'm trying to write these notes down. <laughs> <laughs> we have it recorded, so. <laughs> yeah, don't you worry. You can re-listen to this. You guys write it back. Push back 30 seconds. Speaking of incredible women giving advice and realism. Oh, my God. <laughs> feminism. <laughs> feminism. What about how Karen literally ate the patriarch? What about that? <laughs> she That's literally amazing. is a man-eater. She was like, fuck the patriarchy. Oh. Yep. Hell yeah. Also, if she that's did. not a quote that we pull, I'm going to be deeply upset. <laughs> I've been waiting for one of you guys to announce what the title is of this episode. Mary Kay really said it earlier. I forgot I meant to announce it, but when we listened to it, yes, you did. What I was remember it? what you said. I don't remember, but I was like, God, that's the title. Okay. I wish I announced it. Okay. I sh- I'll re-listen. And now it's gone now. Hold up, hold up. We're already on to feminism? Are we done with black people oh, forever? Oh, do you need to go back and say something about black people? 
I'm sorry, I segue too early. As long as this episode is called, <laughs> AKA, a practice in segueism, like, I'm sorry, my bad. I, I thought I was talking. I fucking mansplained into the next area. You mansplained into feminism, no, you, you asshole. That's not what's happening. Just like a wife. Into feminism. Just like God a wife. God damn it. Wow. Mary I just earned a new merit I'm badge. Not Mary Kay. Mary. <laughs> yeah, because you're an Eagle Scout, remember? <laughs> All right. I didn't know you were Mary. an Eagle Scout. Is that true about you, Jack? Yeah. Oh shit. Yep. That was why, like, me and my roommate would be good at, like. Yeah, he said him and his roommate are both Eagle Scouts. Oh, that must have been when I couldn't hear you guys. Possibly. That's the only time that's happened in this episode, by the way. The only time she couldn't hear us or anything like that happened. No technical difficulties ever happened in this episode or any episode ever again. None ever at all. Never ever ever. Damn. If I ever have an infomercial, you're doing my my <laughs> subjects. Mary. Oh, I'm very close. Mary. So so the thing Mary. that I yeah. Hey Mary, uh, tell me yeah, about uh-huh. it. Yeah. What, what it? Uh, oh. <laughs> Well, now I've got performance anxiety. You'll be okay. Um, no. Get it up and carry on. So, Megan actually tossed this shit up in the outline about Mary's theory on why, or That's Mary Mary Kay, Kay, not me. No, I I volunteered you to contribute that because... (laughs) Volunteer me as tribute. Um, to, uh, explain my theory on why black characters die first, which I think has come up before. I can't even remember which episode. No, it came up with, with me specifically, like, in AmeriCorps. Like, really? Like eight oh years ago. Yeah. Wow. But this stuck with her, so it sounded like I think it was Mary Ray K. Night. Wait, so, okay, we got to talk about this. About eight years ago, when Mary and I were in AmeriCorps, and I was dating this dude who had like the top floor bonus room of this house out in the woods. They were playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, Mary, get up here and play this Uzo and The Sims with me. <laughs> That was Mary Sims. Mary Kay night. We because my boyfriend at the time wasn't there. We made a sim of him. It walked just like him. Do you remember this? It was so perfect. But which version of the Sims was this? Oh, was this like the two, Sims two, two, the two. original Sims? It was two. It was two. Okay. Yeah. But he walked like a robot. Like he wore the coat still with the hanger in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of like, like a sim. Damn. Also on this night, while Mary was playing Dungeons and Dragons, she told me this theory about why black people have to die first in horror movies. Okay, I want to hear it. I'm intrigued. So here's the thing. Okay. A black person can't survive a horror movie because if anything fucking terrifying happens, we're just like, no, be fucking reasonable for once in your fucking life. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, have you ever heard you that terrifying... about black people in movies? And you're like, don't go in there, dumbass. Yep. Yes, so this whole like joke about like, we like we yell at the screen, whatever. A fucking true. B. Um, <laughs> all we're saying is damn sense. Like you're right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not fucking, disagreeing with you. Don't fucking go in the attic. Also, don't barricade yourself in the attic. Also, why are you chasing a murderer? Also, just leave. Just fucking also, leave. Why are you in a bikini? So, just for clarification, <laughs> the reason the black person dies first in the movie is to carry the movie along, because if the black person lived... They wouldn't have a movie. Common sense would take yeah. over. Common sense would take over. Exactly. And by the way, I love yelling at movies. I love yelling at movies. Not in the theater, but I was screaming at my TV last night. Yep. Like, I was like, get him! Get him! When uh, 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 fucking What's-His-Face is punching the shit out of Harry, oh, yes. I was just like, my neighbor texted me and was like, what game are you watching? What sports <laughs> are you watching? <laughs> no, oh, it's the best. It's the best sports game. Yeah, I was talking shit at the screen when I was watching this the other day in my office at work between classes because 
for the, for the, basically the same reason Mr. Cooper is like, no, we should like hide out in the cellar. And I was like, bitch, you need two points of egress. <laughs> that is a bad business model. Absolutely not. Uh, so we talked about women. We talked about talking shit. And now we're going to talk some more about women. We were talking about yep. eating Mr. Cooper. Yes. Hell yeah, Hell dude. yeah. I just wanted to point out that she was eating the patriarchy. I had nothing smart about that. I just want to be like, fuck yeah. That's um, all I had. Somebody say something smart so that point is worth something. Actually, that wasn't how it was originally supposed to go. No. Um, originally, um, he died first. And, oh. and mom came downstairs to find him eating Karen. Oh, gross. Yeah, exactly. that would have been way worse. That, yeah. They were like, oh, that's, even for this movie, that's too much. Yeah. And they subverted it. They changed that. Yeah, yeah. I do too, for the sake of the movie. But what I like though is uh, that uh, Cooper, Mr. Cooper, uses Karen as his like, as his reason for all his unreasonable, selfish activity. Right? He's doing it all for his daughter. So he's consumed, right, Mm -hmm. by his need to protect his daughter. Quote, which isn't true. He's just a fucking little bitch. But. (laughs) And then in the end, that consume, you know, that using her to, con- you know, consume the situation, he is consumed by his daughter, right? Yeah. Hey, film 101, never took a class. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you're a genius. <laughs> Thank you. So what you got, what you got to say about Barbara? Well, yes. so. okay. So what was her original conception supposed to be before I... Oh, yeah. She, um, so originally Barbara was this uh, really charismatic, dynamic strong actor not like the actor was strong but the character okay was active in the storyline and a a serious player in fact originally barbara was the one who survived oh okay that Hmm. makes more sense yeah Uh, and then as as storytelling goes it does not make sense for that character to have survived even as long as she did right and then they they just liked that catatonic read so much that they rewrote the role which then yeah. worked out because they liked their the version of ben that jones gave them so much that they rewrote that too so then so much changed that it, it was fine for them but originally barbara was a badass okay. and i feel like barbara is the audience right, right? like barbara to me at least represents cool. 1960s community you know like it represents us like we're just like thrown into the situation right that is cool we're terrified we're fucking like out of, you know, we're out of sync with everything. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how to react. She literally is an audience member because she just sits there the whole time, right? Like, I thought she was going to stab Ben at one point, right? Because, like, she's holding a knife while he's in the fridge. But, like, no, of course, she does nothing because we're audience members and we don't do anything except. Uh, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I just thought of that. No, you didn't. You just a second. You've done that your entire life. You are, yeah. Just this second. Gosh. And this is the first movie of its time. Where, like, literally, the, your audience doesn't know about it because we don't know about it. Right. You see people, literally, a dude oh my God. come out of nowhere, a homeless-looking dude or a disheveled-looking dude come out of nowhere and kill her brother right. and then try to come at them. And you don't know it's ghouls. You don't know it's zombies until, like, you hear, like, word they're eating flesh. Like, oh, where? That's crazy. And then you see it, and you're like, oh, sh- this is what's happening. Right. Yeah. Also... That's a continuing trope, right? Every zombie movie, we need to find out how we got there. Like, we need to understand how we got to the point of the apocalypse. So every every movie, every TV show, every whatever, like, we need that character who is the point of entry. 
well, yeah. who teaches us how to react to this. So, like, for example, in The Walking Dead, which I think is a pretty ubiquitous, accessible example, it's Rick yep. who wakes up to this world. And so we navigate, like, that. that's why that pilot is so fucking good. No matter where the show goes, whether you like it or hate it, eventually, that pilot... The pilot is dope, though. The pilot stunning. is incredible. It is stunning because it's a beautiful example of using character development and point of view to tell your story for you. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a really smart storytelling choice. Rick is right where we are. He is teaching us how to react to this. As Barbara is, as she's traumatized as fuck. Exactly. That, like, I, I see what you mean. Like, we need a, we need a, a guide. Yes. Yeah, so the part that I put, like, way later about the homage that The Walking Dead is doing to this movie, uh, Morgan is Ben. Oh, yeah. No-nonsense yeah. person who knows what's going on and assumes that, you know, the person they find, which is our entry, also knows what's going on and is bullshitting them. Except for Ben is a little bit more compassionate, right? Like, he's like, hey, yes. it's your house. Are you okay? I understand you're scared. I'm scared, too. We have to do this together, Right. Yeah, well, also, I mean, that, that seems like a timing thing, right? Like, by the time we meet Morgan, it's been going on. And Ben is it, experiencing it immediately, yeah? As far as we know. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it seems like he hasn't had time to harden to it. Right, and um, what I was going to say is that Barbara can go into shock like this because she can afford to go into shock. Like, she makes it anyway because she's used to people doing almost everything for her. Like, when... Yes. Johnny is like, yes. hell yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, when when Johnny's like, uh, we gotta we gotta either move mom out here or move the grave to her. She's like, it takes you five minutes to put a wreath on. He's like, I just drove three hours, and I kind of understand where he's coming from, but also that's terrible foreshadowing for a zombie movie to be like, uh, I have no respect for the dead. I don't want to remember them. Okay, well, well they're coming for you now. Like, for mm-hmm. they are. Well, shit. Um. So, also about Barbara, she's the one who has, like, the most sentiment, and I think that she's the one who, like, and this is terrible, but it's a horror movie trope where she, like, is the one who deserves death the least. She does nothing. So, she's the one who, like, she doesn't survive to the end, but she survives a really long time, and I remember watching this for the first time and being like, why isn't she dead? She's not adapting at all. Like, this, that's the thing you need the most. Because Ben's the hero. I don't, you know, yeah. like, it's literally, that shows his goodness, right? Like, it's, yeah. he, all he does is be a leader and save this, you know, this, you know, let's be honest. Worthless at that child. Point, a, yeah. a mentally broken down person. Um, that's that's very nicer. true. And I think that that is um, part of what The Walking Dead does well in, like, re- basically retelling this original, like, archetypal story that is The Night of the Living Dead is, yeah. The the walk the the dead are a threat, but it's not really them. It's the anarchy that our society falls into. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. If zombies come around, they're a um, every now and then threat. But then it's also like, hey, where are we gonna put our poop? Where are we gonna get our clean drinking water? <laughs> right. Where I mean, really, are we right? Eat? Yeah. Like, you know, like who is gonna birth our children? Because. I've Are we going to be barricaded in the cellar? Does that seem like a logical place for us to be? No, get fucking high ground, you dumbass. Yeah. No, right. I just wanted to clarify that I, I haven't birthed a child, <laughs> but I, I helped birth kittens once. That's oh, God. Right that sounds terrible. Oh, it was intense. It was fun. 
it's it's magical. Also, it was it's not quite the same. Can you maybe I, I don't not know. I don't know. break his heart, Mary? Fewer episiotomies. I don't know what episiotomy means. It's where you cut the space between your vagina and your butthole so it doesn't rip. <laughs> Megan's like, I'm coming in with it. <laughs> coming in with knowledge. You gonna learn. You gonna learn today. There you go. You're welcome, Jack. <laughs> also, I feel like uh, we've used our allotted amounts of the word vagina in this episode. <laughs> no one has said vagina. Speaking when, of vaginas, vagina what about that cinematography, huh? So the film was shot in 35 millimeter black and white, which I loved. And it was only done because of budgetary issues, but budget issues aside, did it add anything to the film for you guys? Um, for me, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it pervaded the sense of gloom and also this very quick sense in the same way of like, uh, sort of not directly like the Blair Witch Project, but it looked way more raw and way more exciting and way more <laughs> thrilling that you would be in this moment and just trying to survive. And I'm moving my hands really fast right now, but you guys can't see it because this is an auditory medium. <laughs> and like, <laughs> but like, yes, I thought I absolutely agree with your leading question of yes, it absolutely added way more to the movie with me. It helped it stand up yeah. across the time. It looked so much more relatable to the kind of horror movies and zombie movies that we see now, right? Again, Blair Witch Project and, mm -hmm. like, these kind of raw running, like, yeah. sharp cuts. And, yeah, no, I thought, it was, I thought it was great. And I loved every minute of it. Yeah, I liked it. It also, when you consider the time that it came out, I think stripping it down to its black and white was really nostalgic of some of those, uh, the 50s and 60s, like, monster films that had been coming out. But it also was vastly different than all of the other films in the similar genres that have been coming up. Cause you had, you know, like the big costumes and the flashy monsters and all these other crazy special effects that you see in the other horror and sci-fi films that are coming out in this time. And this one was just hundred and like, what was $170,000 budget that they shot over a couple months, black and white, basic grainy film. They used chocolate syrup for the blood. It was just very stripped down and basic. And I think that was what makes this Do movie great and timeless. Do you think there was any uh, direct like thought in the vein of Romero's idea that the uh, the ghouls didn't didn't like fire with Frankenstein with the old Frankenstein film? Oh, oh. I didn't even they put do that have together. A creaturey that, vibe, yeah, right. so, so right. Right. yeah. And and so the idea of Frankenstein hating fire is directly from the old nineteen fifties yep. movie. Yeah. Right? That's not in Mary Shelley's. It's not a thing. Mm -hmm. And then we have these ghouls. I mean, Ben, you know, lights a chair on fire and throws it out. They're throwing Molotov cocktails. They're lighting the zombies on fire. Not zombies, they're ghouls. But, you know, like, I just <laughs> I th saw that in this very stripped-down version, just like older movies. And I was like, I wonder if this was intentional of, like, hey, this is an older movie. Dead things or things that are... I don't even think about that. Like That's cool. I have an announcement. I want to hear it. Ever since I was, like, 15 years old, I have wanted to throw a Molotov cocktail. Girl, same. Dude, come over. I'm dead <laughs> ass. Speaking of quitting dreams, what about the narrative and structure? <laughs> oh my god. The narrative and structure. Let's go, <laughs> we talked it about ruled. it a little bit earlier, but uh, I really like that it's filmed basically in real time. Like, there's no flashbacks really, or like cutting between scenes too much mm. it's kind of it unfolds in the same time 
that we're watching it. Has any other movie at that time like been like that? And, and I'm asking purely, like, I, I don't know. And I just probably I not because we're at the height of the drive in era and we're not wanting to have a whole lot of storyline in between action. We're wanting to have the constant action, which we kind of talked about in Evil Dead a little bit. It's not worried about a narrative structure or any sort right. of plot line that makes any sort of storyline sense. We're just trying to shove as much action as we possibly can into an hour and a half. But this one happened in the height of still that drive-in culture but we do get kind of a real yeah could, structure because when you do the when you do the real time like everything seems very action i mean like truly like it's the last 45 minutes of film where everything kind of comes together like i uh, i believe that's when the molotovs happen and everything right mm-hmm. like that's when they're really trying to get out and try to do things but everything feels very after as soon as um the brother dies and like Ben comes into this fold. It it seems pretty quick. Like there's a few scenes where they're like hanging out and just like talking. Well, not hanging out, but like and everyone and people are outside. But no, it still seems very. <clears throat> that's your point, right? The sense of urgency. Yeah. And that sense of urgency kind of ties us into, and I feel like Mary can probably talk to it more because she's more involved in the world currently than I am. I've been out of it for a while, but it really ties us into kind of the three unities that are used a lot in classical theater, like Aristotle's like three structure act time, place and action. Right. Mary, is that right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, <laughs> I went to theater school. Um, I graduated 10 years ago. So but you're still then, in the world of like play and stuff like that, which. So yeah, you could... sure. As of the last like few months, Mary, um, just play your shit up. Okay. Oh, I have something party. to say. I had a good point. You have a point, Jack? Is that what you said? No, I have nothing. Oh, okay. Hey, I have a thing. Um, I was just going to say, remember when that dead bitch ate the centipede? Yes. Yeah, dude, that was awesome. That was the point. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool blast point. That was a good because point. Because it happened point. and I went, <gasps> that was the only jump scare that I had. Where she yeah. picked it up and put it in her fucking face mouth. It was nasty also so remember when she's running out of the cemetery and she's pretty derpy and flailing and her eyeliner looks perfect remember all this yep i do exactly what i look like when i'm running absolutely (laughs) stupid except for my eyeliner (laughs) that is the narrative that is the narrative part of this story of how real it is to everyday life that is a part of mk ultra's (laughs) thank you let's talk about ghouls side note if you want to hear more about the history of the term zombie and us explaining where romarian zombies came from and all of that go back and listen to our episode on the girl with all the gifts yeah that was a really fun one it was a good episode it was just uh me and mary Kay back in the day and i went on like Mm -hmm. a 20 minute tangent on the history of zombies and how it kind of and i learned and i took notes now I know yep. it all. By the way, Romarian zombies are pretty much your entire conception of zombies. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yep. Which are actually ghouls and not zombies, but you could also argue that they're just reanimated corpses. So uh, zombies are, if you guys don't mind me. Go for it. Give us a quick, Thank you. quick refresher. So um, it comes from the Caribbean mm-hmm. uh, part of the world. Yep. And I Voodoo. just kind of try I'm holy down a whole bottle of wine right now. So I'm doing my best. Um, 
But no, it goes into this this person. So the idea was that slavery was the worst thing in the entire world. What would be worse than that? Because a lot of them believe death would set them free. Hey, what if when you died, you were still a slave? Yep. So that was their fear, that when they died, they would still be enslaved. Zombification is done by Santeria, Hoodoo, Voodoo cultures. Not not everyone, not, not anyone. Anyone who practices that, that's totally fine. But it's a superstition within their beliefs that... There's a certain, and they've shown some of it, that there's a curse that they'll put on you or this powder that they throw upon you where you basically, it's a neurotoxin, where you lose all most cognitive functioning and it can only perform simple tasks. Yeah. I.e. cut uh, sugar cane or work in the field. Fucking, this is hell. That's hell. Yep. Yep. Right, no, it's true hell. And to tell someone that you're going to zombify them or curse them like that also, like in Get Out. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That definitely feeds into it. And uh, another great resource would be like The Serpent and the Rainbow or that wonderful author. Does that feed into that? Who wrote? And Anyway, it's this whole Caribbean culture. It's this whole Afrocentric culture. Um, Afro, no, it would be Afro. Uh, Afro-Caribbean. Culture. Afro-Caribbean, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Uh, please help me as much as you can. Um, you're doing, you're killing it. I'm learning a lot. I am yeah. trying, and I, I am very interested in this, and it's a very real. It is a really cool topic to discuss. Actually, there is and some really there cool are stuff. documented cases, and there it's a really cool topic, and there's really documented cases of people coming out of that, right, where they think they've died. Oh shit! God, that's terrible. And then pulled out. Oh my god! And have been forced to cook to you know harvest cocaine for years and years, and then. Suddenly, something happens, and they end up just, like, walking down the street, and somebody picks them up and puts them in a psych hospital. Oh, my gosh. And that's what a real zombie is. It's something that happens to a living person where you lose all cognitive functioning outside of your basic survival instincts. Not to say that you become what we consider zombies. A reanimated corpse. Right. You literally just walk around doing what you're told. You drink when you're told. You pee when you're told. You just do work. And you're a drooling. Yeah, mess. you're just a drone, basically. Yeah, for somebody absolutely. else's well-being. So I'm just saying, when we say zombies now, we mean ghouls. Romero's ghouls. Right. But and then the the real word for zombie is something similar because you're just you know the slow walking, you know drooling automaton, but it's something it's something way darker. I would rather be a flesh eating monster or all my friends be flesh eating monsters than the slave. In the, for the rest of their life. Totally. Yes, no yes. Absolutely. Yes. Anyway. That is, if your lived reality is such that, that's a reasonable expectation. Like, if you live in a world where humanity is denied, when I think about when I think about the way that um, we now see um, domestic abuse and domestic violence, and can recognize that it's not a weakness on the part of a partner who remains sticks in a, around. Yeah, who remains in a dangerous situation. Um, there's just so much happening in this concept of psychological entrapment, enslavement. Mm-hmm. It's it's big and it's real and it's messy and it and it persists and it's a lot. And I think part of for me part of what's interesting about the way zombie has entrenched itself so well in American culture otherwise, is that that's not where it came from at all. 
and what it is now, what it is in, for Romero, what it is going forward, is something totally different than it was at first. And also, of course, you develop a ritual around surviving enslavement, around explaining and surviving the experience of psychological brokenness that is a part of being enslaved as a human being. Like, it, I, I don't know how else you get through it. Right. And also, what, you're, what you guys are talking about is way more scary than what happens in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what we have here is just, like, they don't seem to have sentience. They can see. They can, like, they have, like, motor, some motor, motor skills, depending on how decomposed they are. But the news uh, that I heard was they said... Um, there's no apparent reason or pattern for these slayings. If they're in a kind of trance, others are saying, and then it cuts out. And then uh, another time, in all cases, the killers are eating the flesh of the people they killed. Mm-hmm. And it, that doesn't seem like something radiation could cause either. It's supernatural at that point. So there's a middle ground there where um, there's a middle ground there where they finally refer to them as ghouls. Maybe it was okay. on the radio, maybe it was on the tube, but they, they are referred to as schools. Hey, so I have a question, because yes. the, uh, the mytholo- when I say mythology, I don't mean, like, that it's fake or anything like that. I just mean, like, the set of beliefs. Yes. Is, are they destroyed by fire, or do you destroy the no. brain? Because that's, like, a disparity that we have in pop culture, right? Well, it's supposed to be both, technically, in order to fully kill them you need to impale the brain and then you need to light them on fire but it's kind of the concept of fire also kind of implies that they might have some kind of cognition some kind of cognitive ability right. or if it's just that i don't because they're they're afraid of it and they know to be afraid of it they do consciously try to avoid it but they also do a couple of things that make them seem like they have cognitive abilities in particular where uh, you see the scene where they're looking out and the car lights are shining and yeah. you see the ghouls come up and they, they take the lights of the car out instead of just mm-hmm. making their wind side mindlessly. That's they stop to like fuck these lights. And so they kind of let us know. So I think that kind of maybe ties into because they will likely try to fight the fire. They'll get away yeah. from it. You've got to take the brain out to remove what likely might be some kind of limited cognition and okay. then destroy the body. I've always thought also that another good point, and I thought you'd hit it too, not that you missed something, but uh, was when they started picking up rocks and stuff yeah. and bricks mm-hmm. to break windows. Like, it shows some cognitive functioning. Right. I, I, I mean, I assume these things are different than, like, vampires and stuff where it's, like, you have to take out the spinal system, right? Like, the nervolo- like nerve, The lizard brain. Nerve-lo- yeah. Yeah, the nervological. The nervological. The nervological. Right, brainstem, so the, the, right? the spinal cord, yeah. the brainstem. Yeah, absolutely. It was the brainstem uh, where these people function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I just didn't know if that was part of the mythology yeah. or if that was something that pop culture added so that it would make logic for us. So when it comes to the Romero zombies slash ghouls, which are the same thing, yeah, no, that's just totally a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. When it comes, when if we go back to the whole zombie things that. We were talking about previously, I mean, they're just people, so... Okay, so no. I mean, you, gotcha. you hurt them the same way you hurt anybody. Anyway. Yeah. But to get to a really funny... You guys want to hear something really funny? Yeah. Okay, all right. It's hilarious. Closer, colon, rank the four of us in order most likely to least likely 
of who would survive the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. How was that? Did I do? Did I, that was I, beautiful. You did great. Yes. Thank you for reading that for me. You're welcome. All right. Let's just like group think talk this through. I think Jack's going to survive the most. I was going to put Jack as number How one, too. You're a fucking because eagle, you're eagle scout, scout, yo. Fun fact about me. I, I have lived in squat houses. I have, uh, yeah, I've camped a lot of, not like majority, no, majority of my life I've been indoors. I've slept indoors. But I've spent a lot of time, you know, outside. And, I mean, not. I would never in a million years call myself a survivalist. I am addicted to my phone and my refrigerator and my oven and all that stuff. But like, I don't know, man, I, I you know, I, I'm not about to complain. I'm about to like <laughs> do my damn thing. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You guys are really tough people. And it's true. Well, you guys are hard. I think you guys have more of a will to live than I do. <laughs> I feel like I'm not in the lead. I don't have that much drive right now. Oh. Right now. I feel like generally speaking, I can usually, not always, of course. But She's pretty scrappy. I'm pretty scrappy. I would murder somebody with my bare hands if I needed to. I don't think you could murder an animal, though. If it came down to the zombie apocalypse and it was a feral animal, I like, otherwise there wouldn't be a need. I'm not going to go murder, like, a conscious yeah, like, animal person next to me either. If, you're, if your pet were reanimated. Yeah, no, goodbye. I'm sorry, Trigger. But if you're reanimated, you gotta go. I don't have time. I'm, I've watched enough horror movies. There's no saving you. You're not my dog anymore. Goodbye. You don't love your dog. Yeah, no, I don't have time for Zai. There's nothing you can. There's nothing you can do with that. Like, well, so I don't. I don't feel like I should be number one. I don't. I feel like you guys are much. I don't know. I, I feel like you guys are scrappier, if that's a better term, or more pugnacious, tenacious. If that's a better term. I mean, like, I am too, but I don't know. Like, preacher. All right, let's. Why should you be number one I will, or number four? I will die first. <laughs> Mary will just go ahead and put herself in spot number four. Why, Mary? Why are you number four? Because I don't want us to fight when we love each other. Oh my God, Mary. I'm shooting Mary in the face. <laughs> Mary's gone. That's a sign of weakness. I don't have time for that on my she team. Couldn't, See she, you. She, could, she couldn't hang. She I couldn't obviously hack it. don't feel that way at all. I would kill all of you. <laughs> so, then, so then you would be at least number two or one. No, I'm taking that second slot from her. I'm number two. Oh, so she's number one. I think Mary Kay and I are going to cage match to the death for spot number two. I think so, Wait, too. Wait, am I, I number think... one? Who's number no, no, one? Think... <laughs> Who's number one? I'm going to do that white bitch shit where I lurk in the back, y'all kill each other, and then I'm fine. No, you already said you were the first one to die. Goodbye. No takesy-backsies. You, you I already didn't say said I'd die. That. I said Listen, I would be number four. We pulled four. a thoroughbreds. You said I should die, and we said, okay, drink this juice, and we made you drink it. We didn't have a conversation. <laughs> You're That's already a joke. Dead. That's a joke because we wouldn't waste water on you. Right, yeah, we would bye. just like you know, like smother yeah. you with a pillow. We said no. you go out through the front, create a diversion, and we'll go out the second point of egress, which we have because we didn't go in the fucking cellar like a bunch of dumbasses. Exactly. Except <laughs> I'm the black one, so that not that ever happened. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Wait. So, so am I seriously number one? I don't like that. I don't approve. Well, you're that. an Eagle Scout. 
Yeah. Yeah. That means nothing. That was a college resume booster. None of us spent like our entire childhood preparing to die. Yeah, that's the Trump yeah. card. You're you did order of the era. Mentally, mentally. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me mentally you haven't spent your entire adolescence preparing to die. You did oh, not listen no, to yeah. any yeah. emo music. I don't know how to tie a variety of knots and shit like that, but like you do. Also, you probably have more like muscle strength than I do. I've seen you pick like three toddlers up at one time in the office. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Here's my thing. When you talk about like preparation, right? So like, let's be real, in an apocalyptic situation, like a, like an Eagle Scout thing is useful. The rest of the time, though, how many times have you walked to your car with your keys to your fingers? Like fucking Wolverine. Every single time I walk to my car. Every damn day. Yep. How about you, Jack? No. <laughs> uh, I, my keys are in my hand, but it's, no, it's not. No, I don't have that kind of fear instinct. How many times have you texted a friend that you were leaving, not even a friend you were with. Like, I have texted Mary Kay. Yep. Well, she's in Atlanta, and I am here. I've been like, hey, I'm leaving a location. Here's when I'm supposed to be home. Um, if I don't text Check it, on me. me. Yeah. I've texted Megan and Mary in the group chat. I'm about to yep. with this dude. If you mm-hmm. from me in three hours, I'm dead. Yep. I'm sharing my location. Kick his ass. No, yes. I, and that's I'm gonna why, hold the that's fuck why out of I'm him. saying yep. that I don't deserve to be number one because <laughs> nothing else will. Okay, well, if you're gonna give it up, Mary Kay and I are fighting for the number one spot. <laughs> Jack's number two. I have one more point to that. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. No, I'm cutting everybody off. You have a group <laughs> chat? You have a group chat without me? It's for the podcast. We do. I'm on the fucking podcast. <laughs> Where the hell else are we going to talk shit about you? Your own one. Just make one with me. Okay, you have one with you. We'll use it from now. We'll yes, let you talk to we us. Will. Thank okay. you. God damn. And tell me where you are at all times so I know you're safe. Aw, thank you for worrying about us, Jack. It's, no, it's of course. Perfect. Also, because, like, I'm real boy crazy right now, so I can send you pictures, too, and be like, what about this one? Oh, there oh you go. God. Jack would be really that. honest. Who he knows really where you're going to end up? I'll be honest about it. You know? Totally. Who can totally. tell in that red dress? Nobody. Oh, my God. I'm glad. I, I would like to say that I'm glad for the listeners. We're sticking around to this point. Yes. This is one of our funniest episodes. This is, you can accomplish anything at this point. Obviously, I am not in the top four. Of surviving, I am. The there's top. only four uh, of us. <laughs> there's only four spots, Jack. Uh, I have a cat that has been listening this whole time. Okay, uh, cat's in number four. Jack's been bumped to five. Mary Kay <laughs> and I are fighting for a spot one and two. Mary's dead because we shot her in the face. <laughs> How am I lower than that? I'm lower than that. Thank I'm you for listening than... to everything trying to kill you. It's been a blast, Mary. What's up next? <laughs> oh, we gotta take a deep, <laughs> deep dive into the wild of all kinds with. Deliverance! And we get to take the journey with my West Virginia bestie, Emily West Brooks. West Virginia. Uh, a longtime fan, new time player. Uh, yeah. Also, she's a social worker because we don't already spend enough time talking about feelings and psychology. We Never. know. Feelings! We have heard the masses. We know what you want. Less horror, more feelings. <laughs> that, is, that is horror, though. That is horror. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Jack. Yay, hey. Jack! Yes. Best sport. Yes. I just love being yelled at. I'm uh, <laughs> bad about myself. Great sport, as being always. being a white man. Um, white splaining us into feminism. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is not what happened. That's not what happened. That's barely what happened. That is, I will, I will attest to the otherwise. That, that is no, pretty much, I've been no. trying to we're work on my segues this whole You were incredible. You were it's delightful. All good. It was, it, it's been a, it's been a, a treat. A, a real treat. A treat. Yes. It's a treat. It's been a this snack. Ooh. Ooh, a snack. Ooh. Bring it back. So if you laughed, if you cried, if your soul left your body in a rapturous ecstasy. If you lost um, your vision, ooh. if you started hearing colors. Exactly. Any of that kind of, any of that kind of shit. Just give us a follow, please. Uh, review us on iTunes. Check out our Instagram, Do our it. Facebook, our Twitter. Do the jam. And as always, tell a friend. Raise a glass. Mm-hmm. to your friend in the room that you've obviously made listen to this and then say let's get fucked up and dance yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> let's do it all right three two one Yeah.